Hello and welcome to Not So Mommy Morning Podcast. This is Katie. Hi, thanks for being here. Today I am going to be reading part two of Sarah's, not my co-host Sarah, but our listener Sarah, one of our lovely listener Sarah's, her Mormon exit story. Last time we stopped after she was describing her baptism and we're going to pick up here where she's describing her missionary experience. So here we go. When I started seminary, there was no seminary class because the other members my age who were in seminary lived too far away from the chapel to make it possible for early morning seminary class. So I got up early every morning and studied it with my dad working our way through the manual. I remember hating it and found it really boring. Learning about history and the Bible and the Book of Mormon was of no interest to me at that time in my life, and I couldn't remember anything anyway because I just didn't find it interesting. I was super annoyed that my siblings could sleep in, too, while I had to drag myself out of bed early. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, as much as I really disliked seminary being a part of my actual class schedule, in Utah, I am very glad I didn't have to do early morning seminary. And Sarah had a, a, a similar experience to you, Sarah, both Sarah's, as you probably know. She did have a teacher, but many times it was just her in the class. So yeah, glad I didn't have to do that. <laughs> Over the years, I attended a large number of different branches and wards and was exposed to all sorts of interesting members. Some of the branches and wards were lovely, the members were warm and welcoming and friendly, and I enjoyed being there. Other branches and wards were very different. The members were cold and clicky, insincere and hypocritical. I'm sure there are Mormons like this everywhere you go, but I really struggled with this. I felt that surely, if the church was really true and the members were really committed to Christ, then they would try so much harder to be kind and loving and charitable towards others. I mean... Very good point. I have experienced the whole gamut, the whole array of Mormons in my lifetime, and I very much have experienced the clicky, judgmental Mormons, um, especially in the younger groups, you know, the young women's groups and the young single adults groups. So I know what you mean. It's like we all believe the same thing. We're all supposedly believing in being like Jesus, and yet here we are gossiping, or you're gossiping about me behind my back, right? Totally get it. I remember having what I now refer to as a mini-crisis when I was around 19 or 20. I was attending university and still living at home, so I attended church with my family. This particular branch was especially clicky. The members were strange. There were definite cliques, and being a new family in the branch, it was really difficult to fit in. Everybody seemed to have their designated seat in the chapel, and heaven forbid you should unknowingly sit in their seat. Oh my god, this was my ward. To the actual seat. So there's like the rows, the pews. Every family had their own pew. And this, to anyone listening who didn't grow up Mormon, this, they're there is not assigned seating. You're supposed to just sit wherever, but oh man, especially in my ward growing up and probably for a lot of you listening, it was like you had your place and you did not leave that spot. Very weird. <laughs> 
I really didn't enjoy my time attending this branch. I found the members incredibly judgmental and insincere. I recall going throughout the entire three-hour block one Sunday without a single person saying a word to me, and I remember thinking to myself, what's the point? This is stupid. I'm so over this. Members wouldn't even acknowledge me when I walked past them in the corridor, and they only ever approached me when they wanted me to do something for them. As a side note, I played piano and spent years playing the piano for sacrament meeting in primary. There was one occasion when I was approached by a member. I can't recall exactly what the request was, but at the time I recall feeling really stressed with uni and didn't feel like I could do whatever it was that was being asked of me, so I apologized and said no. I couldn't help her. And I distinctly remember the look on her face as she said to me, well, if you had enough faith, God would help you do it. (laughs) I think that was the final tipping point for me at this time. And I remember sitting in the car after church with my mom, crying my heart out and telling her that I was never going back to church again. And I was done. My mom was brilliant. She was really sympathetic and told me that she felt exactly the same way about the members, but that she continued to go to church purely to worship and feel closer to God. And at the time, I really took that on board and resolved to concentrate on my relationship with God and Jesus, as opposed to the social side of going to church. So a few things here. This resonates with me a lot because I, well, I feel like many people in society, particularly women, but all people of all genders, they've been conditioned to be people pleasers a lot of times. And I think in the Mormon church, you have to say yes to everything. If you say no, it's like, yeah, they're appalled at you saying no. You're supposed to always help and always do what's asked of you. And I'm glad you said no. I think that's great. But I definitely wouldn't have. I mean, I'm, I've been out of the church for well over 10 years now, and I still struggle with setting boundaries and with saying no, understanding that no is a complete sentence. And I really do think a lot of that comes from my Mormon upbringing. And another thing here that I wanted to mention is we hear this all the time. If a member of the Mormon church heard your story, they would say, they'd cut you off right here. And they would say, well, you were just offended by a member of the church. And the, you know, remember, people make mistakes. People aren't perfect, but the church is. (laughs) And it's like, Yes, everyone offends everyone, but like they're offending because that's how the church teaches them to act. Like if you had enough faith, God would help you do it. Like (laughs) it's all based on church teachings, right? So anyways, just wanted to point that out. Okay, continuing on. I was in that branch for three years while I studied, and once I graduated, I decided it would be the perfect chance to move somewhere with more Mormons, (laughs) because being the good Mormon I was, I wanted to get married in the temple, and I didn't see that ever happening by staying in the South Island. So I moved to Hamilton, which is in the North Island, and is where the only New Zealand temple is situated. I'd gotten myself a job at the local hospital as an occupational therapist, which is what I'd studied to be. And I'll just jump in here quickly with a side note and point out that I will always be grateful to both my parents who strongly encouraged me to get a good education so that I would be able to support myself, which I guess is kind of progressive for Mormons, but I think they'd resign themselves to the possibility that I'd never get married because I simply never fit fit in with anyone my age, and I had all but given up hope as well. Yeah, I think um, more and more lately I've seen that the church, they really embrace this like 
idea that they they want all their members to get an education. I think they've been pretty good about it, especially in my lifetime, like teaching that you should get an education. But most of the time, for women, it's in the context of you should get an education in case your husband loses his job so you need to work or in the tragedy that you never get married, you know. But how I heard it a lot growing up was like, get an education in case your husband something happens to him and then you need to work, right? So I'm not really sure how they phrase it now, but yeah. <laughs> I eventually ended up in a really great ward with a wonderful group of young single adults and I finally felt like I belonged somewhere after many years of feeling out of place. The young single adult leaders were a young couple with two small girls and they were, an amaz- they were amazing people. The young single adults were friendly and sincere and welcoming, and I have many happy memories of our time together, family home evenings, activities, outings, camps. During this time, I held several callings at church, including the young women's presidency, although I ended up finding this really stressful on top of my full-time job, and I eventually gathered up the courage to ask to be released, which I felt a little guilty about, but I was also starting to learn by this stage that it was okay to have boundaries and that I knew my limits and wasn't going to allow anyone to guilt me into compromising my boundaries. Good for you, because I'm still working on that. (laughs) I was really active in church during this time and was really trying hard to do everything I was supposed to be doing to be a good Mormon. I desperately wanted to get married in the temple and was on the lookout for my eternal companion. (laughs) I got engaged at one point after a very short period of dating, but I ended up calling off the wedding in the end because I really didn't feel right about it. It started with a blind date organized by a girl whom I wasn't really super friendly with, but it was her cousin and she was convinced we would be perfect, so I agreed. After a week, he proposed to me, that's right, outside the temple, and then she wrote in parentheses, gag. (laughs) A week! Oh, if that's not the most Mormon thing I've ever heard. We barely knew each other, but as I'd been taught at church, I think it was Spencer Kimball who said, any worthy young man and any worthy young woman can have a happy and successful marriage if they're married in the temple. Yeah, this is what was taught, you guys. Like, it doesn't matter if you're compatible in any other way, like emotionally, mentally on the same like level of like your goals or your interests or whatever it's like you have us you have celestial jesus you'll work you'll work damn it (laughs) and as is common in mormon culture people get married quickly so i was like okay i can do that that's totally normal i was so naive and clueless at the time i hadn't had any serious relationships up till this point and i knew nothing about how to have a good relationship i was so unprepared it's cringeworthy now oh i mean Yeah, I feel like we all cringe looking back, but like, good for you for getting out of it. (laughs) After a couple of months of being engaged, however, and spending the entire time feeling really sick about the idea of getting married to someone I barely knew, I eventually called off the wedding, which was the hardest thing I've ever done. My parents were extremely supportive of me, though. I remember my mom saying to me that sometimes the right thing to do is not always the easiest thing to do and perhaps unwittingly paved the way for me to learn to trust my own instincts and feelings and to go with my gut, regardless of what others may think of me. After calling off my engagement, I experienced a lot of judgment from other Mormons, particularly young single adults, and I started to really struggle with feeling like I didn't really belong at church again. 
Around this time, I ended up moving wards again and remember going along once before throwing in the towel. I was tired of feeling out of place, feeling like a stranger, and feeling like I was always the odd one out. I was sick of always trying so hard to do everything I was supposed to be doing and not getting anywhere, so I stopped going. Soon after this, I ended up meeting my now husband, and we got married in August of 2008. We had a civil wedding in a beautiful garden, surrounded by all our family and friends. Oh. There were several reasons for the civil wedding. Firstly, both my husband and I had been inactive for several months prior to meeting each other. So when my husband went to meet with his bishop about getting a temple recommend, his bishop told him that he wasn't able to give him a recommend because he hadn't been paying tithing classic. Uh, I mean, I can kind of giggle about it now, but at that moment, I know that that had just had to have felt devastating for your husband. Just like, oh, I'm literally told, no, I'm not worthy to get married in this place, this temple that I've, that's been my goal to get married in my whole life because I didn't give the church money. That's cult level shit, my friends. Also the term Inactive is very culty. I initially struggled with the prospect of not being married in the temple because, of course, that's what I'd been taught to strive for since I was a little girl. But once again, my mom spoke some sense into me and basically told me, if you truly love someone, it shouldn't matter where you get married. I remembered how I felt when I was engaged the first time to an RM who was temple-worthy, but it just didn't feel right. This time around, I knew it was meant to be because my instincts told me it was right, and the difference in how I felt was like the difference between night and day. Your mom sounds great, by the way. Not only that, but my mom also told me that her and my dad would be unable to attend the temple because at that time they were running a motel 24-7 and hadn't been to church in years. Additionally, my mom also told me that she would never attend the temple again anyway for reasons that she wouldn't expand on at the time, and I remember feeling really confused about that. And I'm so ashamed to say this now, but I felt sad that my mom wasn't quote-unquote righteous enough. Oh my word. Yeah. I mean, your parents seem amazing, and... Yeah, I look back on my younger self and how I judge people who like didn't go to church often or especially if they didn't go to the temple or if people were getting married in the temple and there were people that were sitting outside waiting for them to come out. <laughs> That's me now. I would totally judge them or like feel pity for them, you know, like, oh, they're not righteous enough. And now I'm just like, ugh, that was the brainwashing. That's what it did to us. <laughs> Anyway, back to the family situation. So my parents couldn't attend the temple. My brother would not be able to attend because he'd been inactive for many years. He stopped going in his teens. My sister, who is five years younger than me, would also not be able to come because she'd had a really bad experience while attending church college, which was on the same grounds as the temple, and had vowed to never step foot there ever again. Now, I really wanted my sister to be my bridesmaid, but not only would she not be able to attend the temple, she wouldn't even wait outside the temple while I got married inside. My mom's family, her parents, and her brother, my uncle, they weren't members, so they wouldn't have been able to attend. Only my grandma, my dad's mother, would have been able to come inside the temple to watch me get married. Ah, like when you lay it all out like that, and you say, this is my wedding, this is my marriage, and there's this institution that tells you you have to get married in the temple in order to obtain salvation. 
yet they won't let your family witness it if your family hasn't been paying the money. Like, that is so messed up. Oh, it makes me angry. So when my mom outlined all this to me, I was like, well, that's that then. I'm not getting married in the temple. My entire family lived in the South Island at this time, so every single one of them were having to travel quite a distance to attend my wedding, and I knew I couldn't expect them to go to all that effort and expense only for them to attend my reception and not actually see me get married. For me, having my family at my wedding was more important than getting married in the temple, and the way I justified it to myself was that even though I wasn't getting married in the temple, I was still quote-unquote temple-worthy. My now husband and I hadn't broken the law of chastity or sinned. That wasn't the reason for not getting married in the temple. And while I was afraid of the judgment that I anticipated we would receive from other church members, I decided that I wasn't going to let it bother me. We did face some judgment, though, although nothing major that I can remember. Really, the only incident I can recall was at our engagement party. One of the young single adult girls whom I, whom I really admired and was what I thought of as the perfect Molly Mormon came up to my now husband and I afterwards and was gushing about how wonderful it was that we were getting married and what an amazing example we were setting for the rest of the young single adults because we were getting married in the temple. And I said to her, actually, we're not getting married in the temple. And the look on her face said it all. She went from smiling and happy to serious and disapproving in a split second. I can't remember what she said, but I can still picture her facial expression clearly to this day. I feel like I can picture it with you. I feel like I'm there with you. <laughs> so we had our civil wedding in August of 2008. I heard of other Mormon couples getting married in local chapels if they weren't having a temple wedding, but the thought didn't thrill me at all, so I purposely decided to get married somewhere else. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> We had our wedding in the garden of a beautiful old homestead, surrounded by all our family and friends. My sister was my bridesmaid, and it was just a really wonderful, special day. Yes, that's how it should be, right? That's how it should be. It shouldn't be in some secret, hidden away room in some weird outfits with aprons and only your tithe-paying family can watch. Like, I'm so glad you had such a good wedding. <laughs> My husband and I had made it our goal to go and get sealed in the temple 12 months after getting married, which was the required time to wait for couples who were married civilly, although I believe that has since changed. I remember wanting to go to the temple sooner than the 12 months, though, so I went to get my endowment about six months after we got married. My husband came with me, and we went with my husband's grandparents, who lived in Hamilton. I remember feeling really excited about going to the temple to get my endowment, but really, I had no idea what to expect. I took the temple prep classes at church, and the only thing my husband would tell me was that it would most likely feel really weird, but he wouldn't tell me how or why. I knew I was going to get garments as well, but that was about it. I remember sitting in a little room with one of the temple workers who spoke about the purpose of the garments and the importance of wearing them at all times and only removing them to shower or bathe. I do remember thinking to myself how strange it was that God would require us to wear garments to remind us of the covenant we were making with him. But I filed that away on my shelf. Oh, this is another thing. I don't really know if we've touched on this too much. I mean, I know we have a bit, but even active Mormons, you guys. So she's an adult at this point, but since she hadn't been through the temple, even her husband wouldn't tell her 
what was going to happen in there in detail, even in the temple prep classes. They don't give you details. Like we talk about it on the podcast and Sarah gives all the details. We've had guests give all the details, all of that stuff. But even in like Mormon families, Mormon marriages, if the man has been through the temple first, many a time they don't talk about it because you're told you cannot talk about it once you leave the temple. It is so nuts. <laughs> Other mem- memories from my initiatory included putting on my garments and the white poncho thing and feeling very exposed without my bra on. The initiatory itself was okay. I don't recall too much other than getting my new name, which was Leah, and worrying that I'd forget it. The endowment itself started out okay. I sat with my husband's nana, and my husband sat with his granddad on the other side of the room. I remember looking over at my husband and thinking how funny he looked all dressed up in the temple garb. I remember thinking how weird it was that the females were all seated on one side of the room and the males on the other side. That is very weird. It's all weird. But okay, I remember watching the video that they show at the beginning of the endowment and thinking to myself, okay, is this it? This doesn't seem so weird. Oh boy, little did I know what was coming next. (laughs) And friends, I think this is where I am going to pause and I will be back with a part three to finish out this amazing Mormon exit story. Leave you with a little, you know, little cliffhanger. See what she thought of all of that other weirdness in the temple. (laughs) I know I'm excited to read it to you. Thanks so much for listening. Of course, as always, we love you all. Hope you have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye.